Hello everyone, this is Derek Volabrek and welcome to a new episode of the Global Shuffle podcast. My guest today is Mayor Barry Verbanovic, uh, who is the mayor of Kitchener. He was elected in 2014 and has been involved in public service for quite a bit. And given that Kitchener-Waterloo is quite a tech-oriented city, I really wanted to have the opportunity to chat with him really about, you know, how does he approach and what does he talk to other mayors about as it relates to how to properly support the building of tech ecosystems? Also, you know, given the whole civic tech movement, how are they looking exactly to leverage data and technology in the providing municipal services uh, to the public? And finally, also, I just am always curious in someone that holds that type of office, how does he approach his job and his life? And I really enjoyed the conversation. It was from his office in Kitchener City Hall, and hope you enjoyed today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode with Mayor Barry Verbanovic. Thank you for joining us. No problem. It's a real pleasure. It's, uh, it's always great to talk about uh, what's happening here in, in Kitchener and Waterloo Region. Yeah, and we're sitting in your office, which is decked out in, like, everything. Like, is everything here, like... KW related or? Um, so it, it's all for the most part related to different parts of uh, uh, my life in public service. So uh, everything from my time as a counselor to my role with the Federation of Canadian Municipalities and, and United Cities and Local Governments and more recently as, as mayor. So it's, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, it's kind of, it's been an interesting journey uh, over the years, both in our community and, yeah. and some of the work uh, I've done on a volunteer basis internationally. and places like Sri Lanka and Indonesia after the tsunami and so Oh, I didn't know that yeah, part. Yeah, Oh, cool. Well, now I have some more questions. That's, that's a whole other story. <laughs> whole other episode. Well, I'll try, I'll try to be focused in the interest of time. So I think there's a few things I wanted to really talk about. I think one is, given this is the tech podcast, is really some of your views on tech. And we were just talking, you've done some recent presentations there. But also, I'm just, I'm naturally curious about people that hold public office. So just some questions also on, you know, your experiences, Mayor, because I'm sure it's, it's quite a journey. Sure. So... Um, but for those of you that, for those that are listening that haven't met you or ha- don't know as much about you, could you kind of explain a bit about like what were the steps or or decisions that you that led you to become mayor of Kitchener? So I would say it's really in many ways been um, uh, a lifelong journey that has involved both tech and um, an interest in in public service that goes back to heck it probably goes back to even grade school. Um, where I helped, you know, start a school newspaper in, in grade seven, and and then in high school got involved in student government um, and in organizing uh, social issue symposiums and so on. And so that happened through high school. Got into university, continued on in student government. Was VP student activities at uh, Wilfrid Laurier University Student Union. Um, started getting involved in in party politics at the age of 14 when I worked on my first campaign. And that continued on till really probably uh, the early 2000s. Um, and since then, uh, you know, because of my role, I've really been more focused on working with all the political parties um, because that's so important, particularly whether it was my role as, uh, as a councillor and, and on the executive of the Federation of Canadian Municipalities and more recently as mayor. Um, you, you got to work with everybody and you know as you see right now for example I mean we've got one party in Ottawa another party in at Queen's Park and you got to be able to work with both of them and so uh, uh, that, that's really been my, my focus for more than the last decade. It is interesting just to me how non, like it's so different the municipal level just because it is not partisan I mean some other countries it is where you still might have the affiliation but here to your point you have to work with everybody so yeah you have to continue those relationships yeah, absolutely and i think it is one of the strengths of the canadian system 
save and except for a few of the large cities in Quebec and in BC where they do have parties and mm. even then those parties don't line up with the provincial and federal ones formally um, we don't have it and I think it actually makes our our system work better than in many other countries because quite frankly as as locally elected officials you focus on the idea and it doesn't matter you know, does the idea come from someone involved with the labor union or someone involved with the chamber of commerce or someone involved with the university? <clears throat> it's a good idea no matter where it came from, if it is a good idea, and then you can run with it and look at how do we implement it yeah. and how do we bring these different segments of our community together to implement them. Yeah. From a <clears throat> from a tech perspective, like how do you articulate the Waterloo region or Kitchener tech story like when you're talking to people outside the region? Because... I mean, you're a great ambassador, of course, of the city, and often, you know, speaking on on our behalf. Like, how do you, how do you tell that story? Well, what I what I would generally say is that Kitchener and Waterloo region, in fact, as a whole, because in in many respects, globally, we're known with in the context of Waterloo region, and 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 that is largely because of University of Waterloo uh, and our other academic institutions. Uh, I talk about how we're. Uh, a great community to live in, how, you know, on a per capita basis, we have a large number of, of startups. We have a, a thriving tech and innovation ecosystem um, that uh, really encourages uh, people and supports people who are uh, entering it and, uh, and, and recognize that, um, you know, our role as a city is, is to provide um, a great community to, to live in uh, so that it makes it easier for those companies to be able to attract mm. and retain talent. So is, I, I like that last part you brought up just around like, you know, in terms of the role being really around creating a place that people want to live and and all that. Like what is that kind of the role that you position? Like just when you think from a municipal or government level to support startups, because I often hear different kind of perceptions as to, you know, how to best support tech ecosystems from a, a government level. You know, when you look at Waterloo Region, and we often get asked, you know, how do we replicate this in our own community? Communitech gets asked that, we get asked that, you know, Velocity, the AC, everybody sort of gets asked that. And, you know, one of the things I say is you can learn from us, but you can't necessarily replicate it because you're not going to have an, an identical set of circumstances mm -hmm. anywhere else in the world. And I think, you know, one of our strengths uh, in this region is the fact that we have a level of collaboration that, um, to be frank, and as someone who's worked with cities across the country and beyond, I have not seen a level of collaboration uh, across all segments of the community in the same way as exists here in Waterloo Region. And I think that's part of the reason we've had uh, the success that we've had and, and part of the reason why for you know a relatively small community, a region of 570,000, we punch above our weight from a, a global perspective. Um, and so as, as a city, it's really been about how can we support that? Um, you know, we can certainly support it in terms of the storytelling that we do as we uh, you know promote the community to investors. We can do it by the kinds of decisions we make uh, from a livability point of view. Um, in in the community so things like you know the work on the neighborhood strategy that we've done during this past term have been part of that the investments in the downtown uh, and in animating the downtown with festivals and special events and so on 
that's certainly been uh, been part of it. But also making strategic key investments um, to indicate the municipality support and help leverage that from both the other orders of government, provincially and federally, as well as um, from the private sector. And so, you know, if, if you look at how things have evolved over the past 10 to 15 years in Kitchener, it's all really followed that that storyline and that what I would say has been a, a bit yeah. of a recipe for success that started, you know, during Mayor Zare's term and, and, and I think has continued now. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, from what you're saying, just a, an aspect of collaboration and alignment. You're not going it on your own, in a way. No, I, I absolutely yeah. not. And in fact, if we did, I don't think we would have ever attained this this level of success. Yeah. Um, it, it is that that collaboration that brings together the three orders of government, that brings together our, our, our three academic uh, institutions in terms of post-secondary, um, you know, looks at how to incorporate uh, the, the two uh, elementary and secondary school boards in terms of, uh, you know, things like getting coding, you know, into the education stream and so on. How are not-for-profits like the libraries, the museums and so on have, have engaged in this, in this issue? Um, and so really it is, it's, it's cross-sectoral from, from um, governments to academic institutions to the private sector to the not-for-profit sector. Um, and, and Communitech, quite frankly, has played an integral role in all of that mm-hmm. as, as sort of being the, the, the nucleus or the glue that um, helps bring all of those collaboration partners together. On the note about the library, I have to say I was so I've been so impressed by the library here. Just the fact that we have virtual reality, 3D printing, like it's such a cool, cool space also. So anyway, that's a side note, but I, I really do love it myself. Um, on one other thing about technology, I mean, one is how do we foster tech startups? The other is how do we use tech in the way we run the government? And I went to a civic tech event a while ago and we had someone that I think was from the region speak that had access to a lot of the data. And he was saying, you know, one of the, there's a lot of ways to use data now in decision-making. And one example that was shared that I love because I cycle everywhere is uh, I think there's a sensor on one of the paths where when you, every time you pass, they know what time of day you pass, they know what direction you're going, they know if you're on a bike or walking, and now that data can be fed back to like make decisions around like, okay, how many people are using these uh, facilities? So like on that note, like are there other ways that you guys are, as a, as a council, are using technology or data just in terms of decision-making, and in particular how it's changed perhaps in, from years past? Uh, absolutely, and this is something that's always been of interest to me because before I entered political life, um, I actually work in the IT department at the city. Oh, so so you know, I've always had that tech background and and fascination around how tech can be used in in the work that we do in serving the community. And um, I would say that as a city, we we have recognized um, that in the in a major way. Insofar as uh, one of the things we did this term was actually develop a digital Kitchener strategy. And uh, when we did it at the time. It was, it was recognizing that, A, there weren't many cities in Canada that had done one yet. Vancouver did, Montreal did, and so on. But it was also sort of saying, you know, if as a community, from an economic development point of view, we're going to talk about tech and innovation, and that's what we want to attract, and that's what we want to be, then we needed to walk the talk as a municipal organization in that regard as well. And so we developed the, the, the strategy with consultation from the community and so on. 
and um, a, a number of things have, have come come out of it. Um, you know, and it, it makes a variety of recommendations. But one of the mo more significant ones has been that, along with the other cities in the region, we have um, gone to LED streetlights. Mm. Um, but in the case of Kitchener's, we made the added investment of actually putting a narrow band um, uh, Wi-Fi on the streetlights. So in effect, we now have this narrowband network uh, throughout the community that we can um, pilot different sensors and, and so on uh, going forward and, and gather information and data. And so we, we, we set that up. We also took some of the savings um, from the LED uh, creation uh, or the LED streetlight uh, transition and actually put them into creating a civic innovation lab that's located at Communitech. And that lab has a lab director and a couple co-op students, and they're looking at a variety of tools right now that will allow us as a city to use uh, tech more so, both in terms of service delivery and, and decision-making um, in the future. And you know, one of the things I know they've been uh, working on and, and piloting is, uh, you know, basically uh, the kind of system where they gather various kinds of data and uh, and use that um, as a way of regularly sort of reporting back to, hmm. to senior management. Uh, so that's still being developed, but uh, it's the kind of tools that we're looking at for the future. That's super cool. <laughs> yeah, no, there's some, some really neat yeah. stuff uh, uh, happening right now, and I'm, I'm pretty excited about it all. And is that, from just from my ignorance, is like when you say digital kitchen strategy, is that the same as what I'm hearing a lot about around in terms of smart cities? Is that the same type of thing or is it, would you say it's different? Um, I, I would say it's partially that. Okay. So, I mean, smart cities generally is around the use of data and, and technology um, in, in terms of service delivery as, as a municipality. It does sometimes get into, you know, making uh, data sets available and so on. But we've gone with the digital kitchen strategy uh, one step further and also look at the, the whole social aspect of it. So how do we make sure that um, in moving to a more digital community, um, we ensure that there's access available for all our citizens and, mm -hmm. um, you know, not just, you know, those who uh, easily have access to technology um, and, or, or may be familiar with it. But as well as you know, those for socioeconomic issue reasons may not have the same access. Um, older adults who are still struggling with that transition, um, and how do we make sure we we manage that transition in, in the best way possible? For sure. Given that you meet a lot of other mayors, I'm sure in your previous role, but also in, in this one as well. Like, are there some cool innovations you've seen in other cities that excite you that you're like, okay, once we have the time and money, that's something that would be really cool to try here. Yeah, you know what, I mean, uh, certainly there's technologies that are being used um, in terms of better traffic management, which is obviously, you know, good for the environment and, and, and moving people around town. Um, you know, technologies that are being used for, for parking, uh, like on street or, 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 or on surface parking, um, those kinds of things. So those are some of the kinds of things that we want to explore ourselves and, and see, you know, which ones are relevant. Uh, to us, but then the other parts are looking at um, how can we use technology to make this to make this, the customer service delivery experience uh, more positive for our residents. So whether it's um, you know an app on your smartphone or 
uh, an online presence, um, you know, where you certain services, um, as, as simple as quite frankly, paying something like a parking ticket, um, you know, are available online or applying for a building permit are available online. Those are the kinds of things we're trying to move more and more towards. And, and some cities have done that already. And it's interesting, just in your previous comment, like you had mentioned the fact that, you know, how do you adapt this? Again, for some people like me, I think, that are more techie and others that perhaps are not, you know, whether it's an access point or a comfort point just with technology. And yeah, you want to adapt services, but of course, still need to serve a broad range of citizens. It's, I never really thought about that before yeah, in mean, that way. Yeah, you know, like if, if you think about it, I'm of the generation where PCs were first introduced um, for the most part when I was in university. I mean, I actually, as a student, helped install some of the first PCs at the city of Kitchener in the summer of 1987. Well, that's only 30 years ago, right? Yeah. And, and so you figure, you know, parents of sort of my vintage would have been anywhere between you know, typically between 50 and 60 at, uh, at this point in time now. Um, and so, um, well, no, actually, sorry, 50 or 60 then. And um, if you consider that, the, the reality is, you know, there, there's a whole generation that, at least one generation, that isn't necessarily comfortable or is at varying degrees of comfort. And, and so we're always struggling with that a little bit even in terms of uh, citizen engagement, like when we go out to the community to get feedback yeah. on things. What format do you use? Yeah, <laughs> like more and more we're seeing people like the online format because they can do it on their own time, you know, put the kids to bed, sit at home, get online, do it for 15 minutes and, 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 and they're done. There's a whole other generation where it's like, I, I don't want to touch the computer, I still want to fill out a paper copy. And so we need to still make sure we're meeting everybody's needs in that respect. I think as time goes on, that that will change, and then really the the bigger issue will be the the socioeconomic one. Yeah, the access sure. point. Yeah, exactly. For sure. So I mean, we're talking about technology now, and that's an area, of course, as mayor, you need to be up to speed on. But there's so many different things. Like you're called to be an expert on probably every issue in the city at some point. Like how do you? Because I'm I'm very interested in learning in general. Like how do you approach your learning? now and in the past like because again you have to be up to speed on so many different things yeah you know what i mean i i think the learnings really come out of two ways uh i mean part of it is obviously being a good listener and being open to um being open to the information that's being presented to you um and secondly trusting the professionals you know i i can't be um you you know uh, a a road engineer and at the same time you know a water technician and at the same time an expert on fire safety like it just it, it's not realistically possible for the average person um, and and when you take some you know a group as diverse as council you get a range of experiences you capitalize on those where you can um, but you also have professionals so our role is governance and you have to trust the professionals that we, you know, you have on your staff team. And when you don't have them, you you hire out for those expertise, um, and and make decisions based on that uh, information. I, I think you know sometimes politicians sometimes um, are reluctant to trust the professionals. Um, you know, we see that perhaps uh, happening in places like south of the border. Um, where uh, you know we see uh, certain political leaders that maybe are are, are not turning to the uh, to, to the experts as much as they should, 
I'll uh, leave it at that in, in, in terms of that. But I, I think it is important that, uh, that we do that, that uh, you take the time to educate yourself as much as possible. Um, and, and then really it's, it's about taking that information and making the best possible decision. Cool. And I mean, so I'm, I'm trying to put myself in your shoes as best I can, right? Because I think it's a very interesting role in a very interesting city right now, right? So one, of course, you have to be up to speed on so much. You have to collaborate with a lot of people, as you mentioned. But also, like, I mean, I go to a lot of events. You're everywhere, right? Like, I mean, how many events do you do, like, per week, would you say? Um, it really depends on, on the week, but it can, it probably ranges from as much as 30 in a week to, you know, as few as three to five kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I haven't actually done a count, but I think I'm around 400 plus a year. Oh, my goodness. So how do you, I mean, there's a lot of talk. Um, in the tech world and other professions around balance and energy and, and you know how to you know keep your proper balance like I don't know if that you can keep balance in this type of job like how do you approach at least like staying you know your best self in that respect do you take time off do you like what do you do yeah you know what I, I listen it's uh, to suggest that um, politics particularly in a senior leadership role isn't very much a 24/7 365 job is 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 kidding yourself yeah. um, because you know what you go to the grocery store somebody stops you go out for dinner someone stops you um, and you know generally speaking I'm you know quite amenable to that um, we're all human and you know I mean if you're out with with a close group of friends or family and and wanting to have uh, dinner you know you also need to be able to put boundaries in place and say to people listen you know I understand you have an issue but you know, here's my card, call me tomorrow and I'm happy to discuss it because I'm having yeah. some family time today. And 99.99% of the people are are, uh, mm -hmm. are fine with that. Um, you know, I'll be honest, I get energized by the energy of the community mm -hmm. um, and all the things that's happening. And, you know, you just need to go to a place like Communitech or Velocity or, or Catalyst 137 and you... Uh, you leave that place so much more energized just yeah. by the the ideas and the youthfulness and and everything that's uh, that, that's going on. Um, obviously, I take time off too. You know, um, I tend to be more uh, take a four day weekend guy as opposed to I take uh, a week or two. Yeah, yeah you know, and uh, that also makes things a little more manageable in terms of uh, things going on. Well, it's uh, like long days, here. but then you have that refresh. Yeah, that exactly. Right. Oh. You just gotta you just gotta plan for it every once in a while. Yeah. So, again, you had a, a long history prior to sitting in the mayor's chair, let's say, in municipal government and with the Canadian Federation of Municipalities. So I'm guessing compared to some people, you had a pretty good idea of the role coming up, but I'm sure it still surprised you in some ways. Like, what, what, what has been the most surprising aspects of the last four years? So, interestingly enough, I would say, you know, it certainly hasn't been, you know, the workload or uh, the variety of, of issues you deal with. I mean, it's certainly bigger in, in scope than it was as a councillor. I mean, as a councillor, you tend to deal more with, you know, the the ward issues, the, the, the micro issues, whereas mayor, both in your role as mayor at the city and as a regional councillor, you tend to deal more with the macro issues impacting the community. Um, and, and so that's been a change. I'd say the other change has been, you know, I was on council for 20 years before I became mayor. And, and you have a certain amount of recognizability from it, but it just changes dramatically once you become mayor, right? So you could still, you know, skate by and go yeah. to the grocery store and nobody bugs you and, and all that kind of thing. 
um, when uh, when you were a counselor, but not so much anymore. No. You know, even even you know when I look at my my recent little uh, accident uh, uh, this summer, right? I mean, you're at the hospital, you're at the at the physio <laughs> place, you know, and you you. you you're still sometimes, the mayor. Sometimes it doesn't happen right away, but but usually within about you know half an hour, an hour of being there, someone's pointing and whispering. It's like that's a mayor, da, 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 right? <laughs> and it's like yeah, like, yeah mayor, that's and me. I'm human, and I break bones, and and, uh, <laughs> and you deal with it like anybody else. So yeah, oh that's that's cool. And my last question, just because you mentioned at the beginning, like what was the work you did in Sri Lanka and some of these other countries? I wasn't familiar oh, with that from your background. Yeah, so the Federation of Canadian Municipalities has been doing um, work in the developing world for about 35 years now in Asia, Africa, Central and South America, the Middle East and Eastern Europe. And, uh, and so um, after the tsunami in, in Sri Lanka and Indonesia, we worked with municipalities um, in uh, in both of those countries, mm. um, both in terms of some of their recovery efforts, um, as well as helping to strengthen uh, the role of, of local government uh, in some of those communities uh, post the uh, post the disaster. But I've been involved in um, international work for a number of years, both through FCM and other organizations. So I've um, worked with local government in. In Bahrain on staff council relations um, the stuff that I've talked about I've been in in Haiti and done some capacity building work mm. um, with uh, the local government associations down there after the earthquake uh, and so on so it's it, it's very rewarding and and I also find it, um, it it also helps me keep things in perspective locally um, in terms of the issues and the challenges that we face as as Canadians living, you know, in this community in this country, uh, and obviously, you know, we compared to many parts of the world are very fortunate, um, and it it just reminds you of that, but also get your mind thinking on easier, low cost, not necessarily easier, but low cost solutions and and creative solutions to problems as opposed to simply saying, you know, well, I'm just going to go buy this or I'm going to go hire a consultant to do this. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it, it really helps you in terms of developing those creative problem-solving skills. Cool. Well, Barry, thank you very much. This is very insightful for me, and I'm sure it will be for everyone listening. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity.